today on Laura Lynn and Friends. It's theater. This is just how the story's supposed to go. We're all supposed to believe that Polyev is going to save Canada, which he's not, and that he's a good guy, which he isn't. And now we're now everyone's turning on Trudeau because it's his time to go, because that's the story arc of Canadian politics. And so I don't I don't buy into the this is really what we see. We're, we're being shown what we're supposed to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tatter Thompson. It's wonderful to be with you today. Um, we have lots to go over. We have two incredible guests, starting with Andrew DeBar. Tolo, boy, I sure hope I said his. No, Di Bartolo, isn't it? It's Di Bartolo. You don't know. I hang out with him more in in Toronto. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Di Bartolo, isn't it? Bartolo. Okay, okay, okay. We'll have him on a minute. Sorry, Andrew. We might have totally messed your name. I, I'm sure it's Di Bartolo. I, I know. Don't I? Okay. So I love reading from my dad's Bible. And uh, I miss him so much. It's been uh, two years, just over two years. And he loved to mark up every page. So on this page, oh, like at least, uh, I don't know, 15 verses all underlined. My eye fell to this, uh, Psalms 27.3, though a host should encamp against me. So though I see a huge group of people all against me, my heart shall not fear Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. I love that. When a storm hits, if you're on sand, the sand is washed away and your foundation is gone. But when you root yourself firmly in who God is, in how powerful he is, though war breaks out against you, though the whole world is at war, your heart can remain steadfast in peace. And boy, do we need that. Okay, let's bring on Andrew. Andrew, what's your last name? This is the most important question that the show has for you today. You were correct. It is D. Bartolo. What? Yeah. That's <laughs> his email. Now he's blaming Toby. Curses. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, okay. You got it right, though. I was sitting backstage. I was like, no, she's right. She's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I, I remember that I had to introduce you at, uh, well, you were at the Canadian Great Awakening. And you yep. were speaking there, and man, I was like saying your name like a hundred times so that I didn't screw it up. So now it's like permanently embedded in my brain. So that, I'm pretty proud of good. myself. <laughs> yeah. So now, now I missed reading out your bio. So tell us about yourself. I know that you're fighting the good fight. You're very involved politically, uh, but you, you're, uh, you're for freedom and liberty in Canada and um, helping us to figure out what that looks like. Yeah, so a quick bio, I'm currently the Director of Operations for Liberty Coalition Canada, and Liberty Coalition Canada exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand. Uh, my wife, Catherine, and I have been married for almost 15 years. We have five children. In fact, our twins are one month old each. They were one month this past Sunday, so we are. my quiver is officially full. 
and I'm grateful for the Lord's goodness to us. And I have uh, served in pastoral ministry for about 15 years. So I'm currently on a sabbatical, focusing entirely on the work of Liberty Coalition Canada, but I've served in pastoral ministry as a teaching elder for about 15 years. I know I don't look like I've been doing it for 15 years, but I can assure you. You look uh, so young. So yeah, that, if, I shave, if I shave off the beard, I look like I'm 20. So that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a brief bio for me. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, it's interesting to me that a lot of uh, people do cross over from sort of being in the ministry. We've had members of parliament who are former pastors who then put their time into serving the country in politics. Uh, but right now, I do see a more intense crossover, not necessarily having titles in politics, but becoming very involved so that we can see the principles of the power uh, that the Word of God expresses to be brought to our nation, because a nation that relied only on the Ten Commandments would be fabulous. But we've removed the Ten Commandments from our schools, and now, you know, we've got sort of a the woke agenda of, um, you know, gender and and critical race theory and things like this that are going on. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 deeper than the Ten Commandments. I mean, I mean, fifty years ago, for example, you still had the Ten Commandments that most people would agree could be posted in schools. But fifty years ago, what you started to see was the excising of a Christian worldview and a real love for God. So you have the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments without a biblical worldview without a love of God and a love of God's law is an empty shell and it can't actually support itself. And that's why we are where we are today. We're not here because the 10 commandments were removed from schools 30 years ago. We're here because 60 years ago, a love and worship for God was removed from Canadian culture. And then the 10 commandments alone couldn't sustain the weight because as Jesus tells us, you, you cannot, you cannot have the law of God and hope that that will save you without a love for God that will inevitably collapse in on itself. And so this is, this is where we are now. Wow. That, that is an incredible explanation. So really our prayer should be that people turn back to the love for God, that people mm -hmm. find God, that all, you know, nations uh, realize that unless we have God intervene, we're closer to, to World War III than we've ever been. Now, here in Canada, um, I want to play you a quick clip because um, Trudeau's numbers are really sinking. His, uh, I, I just read in the National Post today, some people not too happy with him. And so here is Global TV's David Aiken reporting on Trudeau's sinking poll numbers. There is no good news for the Liberals anywhere in this latest polling from Ipsos, provided exclusively to Global News. The country is tired of Justin Trudeau, tired of his government, and were an election to be held today, Pierre Polyev's Conservatives would almost certainly win a majority. When the Liberals vaulted from third to first in the 2015 election, it was all because of Justin Trudeau, a leader that Canadians were excited about after nearly nine years of Stephen Harper. But after eight years of Justin Trudeau, most Canadians are ready for change again. They created the, the party of Justin Trudeau and they're going to live or die by that. They certainly have lived uh, reasonably well over the space of the last eight years, but the other, uh, the other conclusion, the other outcome is the one in which they're defeated because they are the party of Justin Trudeau and that's where they are today. 
72% of respondents said Trudeau should step down now. Even among those who are liberal supporters, 33% think Trudeau should go. I've never seen a number that high for a prime minister, probably in, since Brian Mulroney uh, back in 91, 92. And that, that's what this really reminds me of. And because the liberal brand is now so closely identified with Trudeau, Trudeau's falling popularity has pulled the party down. If an election were held today, 40% would vote Conservative, 24% would vote Liberal, 21% would vote NDP. Among Quebec respondents, 32% picked the Bloc Québécois, 28% would pick the Liberals, and 22% would choose the Conservatives. In Canada's first-past-the-post system, those numbers would add up to a substantial majority for Pierre Poilievre's Conservatives. Trudeau himself knows the numbers do not look good, but Global News can report Trudeau has told close associates he would not be true to himself if he quit as leader, that he is looking forward to taking on Pierre Polyev in the next election. Oh, all right. Well, uh, you know, you get the feeling that at any moment, God with his pinky finger could remove Trudeau uh, for one of these scandalous things if he's not going to step down. Uh, Derek Burney from the National Post, Trudeau, please take a walk in the snow. The wheels are coming off the Trudeau government and the chorus calling for the prime minister to, to resign is mounting, including senior liberals, Senator Percy Down and uh, formerly Jean Chrétien's chief of staff, that's Percy Down, um, said the resignation would be a prudent course of action. So uh, potentially we're looking at an earlier election if, um, if the Liberals get their way. They're, they're now starting to turn on him, and that's an interesting thing to watch. Mm -hmm. So I, I've said this on our show before. Canadian politics is basically like watching rest, like the WWE. It's basically like <laughs> watching wrestling entertainment. And here's what I mean by that. When, when they come out down the platform in the ring, they're fighting. They look like they hate each other. They're fighting their enemies when they do their promotions, like when they cut their promos, when they kind of have their little speeches, they're just so angry and they hate and they fight. And then the crowd, you know, they, they kind of know it's fake. Some of them may still believe it, but the crowd is cheering. They're cheering for their guy. And when the baby face or the good guy succeeds, they cheer. And when the, the heel or the villain, you know, pulls out a, a chair or some sort of wrench and everyone boos. And so everyone's along for the ride. But when the show's done, the heel and the baby face, the good guy, the bad guy, they're all backstage together having a beer saying, didn't we do, wasn't that amazing? Like, look at the show we put on. They, we had them eating out of the palms of our hands. That's Canadian politics. Mm. So to us, it looks like, it looks like there's this battle raging between Polyev and Trudeau. And all I'm, all I'm seeing when I see these numbers and I'm seeing yeah. now the media turn on him, mm -hmm. it's all just according to the script. This is... This is how the theatrical production is supposed to play out. Polyev has been set up as the, the hero in the story, and he's going to save us from the vile Justin Trudeau, who now is boo, hiss, but it's all, it's all theater. And here's how I know it's theater. When the new Speaker of the House was introduced after the former Speaker had to step down because you know he brought a Nazi into Parliament, I saw a video of Justin Trudeau and Pierre Polyev each holding one of this man's arms, walking through Parliament, laughing, joking together. They looked like they were good friends and everything was wonderful. It's all that, and that was really, that's, that was the truth. The truth is 
as Randy Hillier has said, political parties are just mafia families that agree to keep their territory, but they really don't actually fight with each other. And then mm. the people who suffer are us. So that's, it's theater. This is just how the story's supposed to go. We're all supposed to believe that Polyev is going to save Canada, which he's not, and that he's a good guy, which he isn't. And now we're now everyone's turning on Trudeau because it's his time to go, because that's the story arc of Canadian politics. And so I don't I don't buy into the this is really what we see. We're we're mm. being shown what we're supposed to see, and wow. we're, we're being told what we're supposed to believe. You know, it it rings true with me, Andrew, because I I remember when uh, Pierre Polyev's uh, guy who was his campaign manager. Um, that uh, the gay fellow who's been in politics a long time, everybody likes him, uh, but he's had some scandals and he stepped down from being an MP. Do you know who I mean? It's, it's um, his, his uh, he's running his campaign, JT. And, and so he had to introduce uh, Trudeau and he did this beautiful introduction for Trudeau. Yeah. And we're all, this is about, I'm going to say three, Baird. four months ago. What? Baird. Baird. Yes. So, so Baird was uh, Pierre Polyev's campaign manager to get into the leadership. And is it Jim? Oh, John. And so John Baird. Yeah. And so what happens is he's introducing Pierre, uh, introducing Trudeau, like their best friends. And then they hug mm -hmm. everyone in Canada who gets that we are under the worst tyranny of all time, kind of went, what? Like, this is our arch enemy. We wouldn't say one yep. thing nice about Trudeau. How dare you say it? How dare you hug him at the end? It was disgusting. Everyone forgets Everyone forgets when Bill C-4 passed in Parliament that not mm. only did everyone in Parliament celebrate with cheer, but people were crossing aisles. The Blues yes. and the Reds were crossing okay. aisles, hugging and clapping and celebrating. And we, so I look at that and what I see is that's reality. Reality is in order to maintain power and in order to maintain the privilege that comes from being in political office, which is off the backs of our tax dollars, they're willing to make it seem like there's a real struggle and real vitriol when the reality is it's all just, a, it's a, it's a show. It's just yeah. theater that's designed to captivate us to make it seem like there really is a struggle in the political realm, but it's not because whenever there is a struggle in the political realm, so whenever you have an actual principled politician, what happens is they're removed from caucus. So mm. Bernier, Hillier, Nichols, Tanya Granick Allen, the way she was done dirty by Rob Ford. If you ever actually have Derek a Sloan. Derek Sloan, if you have a principled politician, who doesn't just go along with the line and is whipped into submission. What they do is they say, we can't allow you to have a dissenting voice. You're not playing along with the game. You're going to let everyone know our, our gambit. You're going to reveal to them that this is theater. And so they're just removed from caucus. That's what happens to real principled politicians. The rest of them still get to keep their party connections because it's, it's just a show. It's just theater. It's a production and we're being caught up in the emotions of it. And we need to step back and say, it's, it's not actually that they're, they're working together to make us seem like something's going on that isn't actually going on. And we would be, we would be wise to recognize that and not, you know, get caught up and be like 40 year old 
men at wrestling events with their faces painted and holding up Bristol board cutouts for the favorite wrestler. We look at that and we think, grow up, man, you're, you're a child, you're immature. Don't you know it's fake? And I would say the same thing to Canadians. Don't, don't you know that this is fake? Don't you know that this is, this is just a show? It's just a production. You are so right. And I'm going to ask everybody watching this right now to share, 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 because this is the truth that will set us free. Andrew, if people woke up to the fact that we are being governed and ruled by a theatrical playbook, wherein they're all participating, they all get these paychecks, somehow they get wealthy, somehow they get on all kinds of you know, uh, these boards and, and, and offerings are made and then it's a cushy job and then they're not really fighting. And the true mm -hmm. people who are on the ground getting blood, bloodied, uh, you know, bullied and, and called names are the ones actually fighting for a country with a very loud voice saying, wake up and look at what's going on. And I don't mm -hmm. know if, if we're there yet. I was just at a, an event. Billboard Chris was talking about how he feels uh, he's been mistreated by Pierre Polyev, uh, by the whole group, because they have not stood against the kids. And later uh, on this show, we're, we're going to be talking about, um, you know, people who stand up uh, against uh, the gender ideology that is ruining so many kids' lives, young people literally cutting off their breasts, going on cross-sex hormones. And, and he was outlining how uh, Bill C-4 has been very pivotal in in preventing people from speaking out against it because people don't want to mm -hmm. lose their designation, their jobs, their psychiatrist or whatever. And then one guy piped up in this crowd of about, I'm going to say 300 or so, he pipes up and he says, but we have to vote for Polyev because we have to get Trudeau out. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, the t again, to me, that is the 40-year-old guy cheering that his favorite wrestler would win the match, bemoaning the fact that the bad guy happened to do an illegal move and maybe hit the referee and knock him. That, that That's what it looks like to me. Because um, anyone who was awake in the last four years would understand that it is politically expedient now for the Conservative Party to speak out against jab mandates and lockdowns. Now it is because they've realized by putting their wet finger in the air, oh, this is a good, this is a winning issue for us. Polling's on our side now. But when polling was not on their side, so early in 2020 and 2021, when a majority of Canadians believed that it was good to exclude unjabbed people from society, then the Conservative Party said nothing. Where, where was the savior of Canadians then when, but they, because they realized it wasn't a winning issue then. They realized that Canadians were in favor of jab mandates. They were in favor of medical apartheid. But once the tide started to turn and they realized actually the convoy is a winning issue for us and talking about the lockdowns and the mandates is a winning issue for us, now all of a sudden they're the defenders of the people. I don't remember them saying anything when my pastor friends were arrested for keeping their churches open. I don't remember the Conservative Party coming out when private business owners were devastated because they refused to ask people's private medical information. Where was the Conservative Party then? They were nowhere because all they care about is winning and power, and they're not principled people. They're just full of politicians who are pragmatists who won't actually do what's good for Canada. They'll, they'll say they will, 
they'll make it look like they will, but they won't. Um, and they'll just, if a pastor friend of mine says, all they're going to do is take the car over the cliff a little bit slower, right? They'll just pump the brakes a little bit, but they both have the same agenda, which is not the good and flourishing of Canada. It's whatever ideologies they want to push to secure their power, their wealth. And we just exist to give them the tax dollars to do it. That's really I, what they're about. I, I agree. And, and I want to run this next clip by you, uh, PM Trudeau, saying that Canadian conservatives are really mega right-wing extremists, which is really funny because you will not catch the conservatives admitting uh, out loud that they have any good thoughts towards Trump at all. And um, recently, uh, just this last weekend, I was at an event with Christine Anderson and blessed enough to be able to say a few yeah. words on stage with her and um, Ava Vlarder, oh, yeah, Ava Vlardingbrook. Um, and, you know, it was wonderful. These are like, you know, world changing people that are speaking. But let's not forget that it was it was Pierre Polyev that basically called her beliefs vile. Now, mm -hmm. her beliefs actually are conservative beliefs and pretty much every single one I can I can believe in with her. Uh, I might be even, you know, more right, uh, you know, with uh, my personal beliefs in God being, you know, extremely strong and my, my very strong beliefs for life, right? But here's our prime minister basically calling them, and this is more theater because our... Our conservatives are, are liberal light, and this is a joke to call them that. Go ahead. ...of a right-wing American MAGA-influenced thinking that has made Canadian conservatives, who used to be among the strongest defenders of Ukraine, I'll admit it, turn their backs on something Ukraine needs in its hour of need. That is the danger of the rise of the right-wing influence that is feeling its impact in Canada. That's what not just Ukrainian Canadians, but all Canadians should be concerned about when the Conservative Party of Canada and Pierre Polyev turn their backs on history, turn their backs on our friends and allies, turns our back, their backs on the international rules-based order and our support uh, for the UN Charter and Territorial Integrity. It is of real concern and should be of concern to all of us because we're seeing that spiking up all around the world. Well, Andrew, they were all on the same page about Ukraine uh, last week, you know? I know. Well, it's, again, I think that where, where you see current politicians who are actually in office take certain positions, they're not taking their positions based on principles. They're taking their positions based on political expediency. So if there's a pivot on Ukraine, the pivot on Ukraine is not a principled one. So my position on the Ukraine conflict and Ukraine as a country, not individual Ukrainians, I'm not talking about the individual people who are there who find themselves in the midst of a corrupt, war-torn, political hotbed agenda. I'm not talking about the individual Ukrainians or Ukrainian Canadians. I'm talking about the nation and the system there. A principled perspective on Ukraine would say something like this. Number one, it was a Ukrainian government that fired the prosecutor that was looking into Hunter Biden's son's company because then Vice President Joe Biden said he would withhold aid to Ukraine unless they fired the prosecutor investigating his son. 
So what did the Ukrainian government do? They fired the prosecutor so they could get their $1 billion in aid from the United States. So that's the Ukrainian government. Or how about this? Ukraine happens to be a hub for sex trafficking in that part of the world, given its locations and connections. No one wants to talk about this. Again, I'm not talking about the Ukrainian people. What I'm saying is a principled position on Ukraine would say it is governed by godless pagans. They have done evil things as a government, as a state. They have pursued and encouraged corruption. And at the end of the day, if our entire legacy media is supporting them, I'm skeptical because our media hates truth and only promotes lies. That's a principled view on Ukraine, and that's not going to change. But whenever you see politicians take a principled stance on Ukraine, they're not thinking like that. They're thinking, what's my base going to like? What's going to get me elected? What's going to play well here? What's going to work for my constituency? It's all about pragmatics. And so, and that's, that's, that, that's what we're seeing to say, to say that the conservative party is anywhere near being on the actual right side of the political spectrum. The conservative party today is more progressive than the liberal party of 30 years ago, 40 years ago. That is a fact. What are you making of another place in great conflict, the anti-Semitism rising in, uh, in Canada, we've we've really been battling that. I I personally stand with Israel, you know, as um, you know, as a, a respected uh, position that they hold with God's heart. That they're not perfect, and I don't believe that any Jew goes to heaven without accepting Jesus. I always have to qualify that with everyone because they. But I've gotten a lot of flack for it, and people are really mad. Like these are the Soros, these are the you know the Rothschilds. And, um, but I'm like, Hey, October 7th happened. Have you seen the video? This is bad. How do they live like this? Yeah. yeah. So I, so it, it, this is another example of Christians are required to be sober minded, take mm -hmm. a step back and be objective. So when we talk about Israel, it's the same thing. We're not talking about individual Jewish people. We're not talking about their oh, worth. Obviously. Is what? Oh, hello. Yep. Yep. We kind of lost you for a sec, but you're back. Yeah. Go ahead. So, so, you know, when we're talking about Israel and what's happening with the present conflict in the Middle East, same thing, we need to be principled and we need to be wise in our thinking. So the reality is Hamas, which is a terrorist organization and at funded by Iran did an evil godless thing. And the reality is should be held to account for their terrorism. But to say again that the Israeli state, that the governing body in Israel is somehow this wonderful, kind, super well-hearted sort of organization is also false because they push the jabs as hard as anyone else. Israel as a state promotes the LGBT agenda just as much as anyone else. And at the end of the day, they have rejected Christ. And so they're, they're futile in their thinking and their hearts are darkened because they don't actually worship the true and living God. So again, that's a principled objective stance on Israel. But why is it that we, we see hatred for Israel and Jewish people? Mm. Well, because Israel does represent a Western democratic nation in a part of the world that is totally godless and Muslim. So it's easy to hate Israel because Israel promotes Western values like individual responsibility, 
and a, a non-tyrannical government. And we know that the left hates Western civilization and they hate real freedom. They hate anything that's grounded on the scriptures. And so they hate Israel. It's, it's always mind-blowing to me. Again, we cover this in our show today. It's mind-blowing to me when the progressive left, with all of their trans-sodomy love for godless sexual deviancy, is all about promoting Islam and Palestine, not realizing that a sing if a single one of those purple-haired, rainbow-flag-bearing people went to Saudi Arabia, they would be thrown off of a rooftop because of their sexual practices. They wouldn't be able to freely do what they do in Pakistan or Indonesia, but they hate freedom. They hate Western civilization. And so they'll hate Israel that exists on those principles. And then they'll promote nations and ideologies that would actually be the first to execute them because of their progressive worldview. But they don't know how to think because they've rejected God and they hate truth. So that's why I think you see an anti-Jewish and anti-Israel sentiment is because it is a Western nation and the left hates the West. And, and, and it really is a religious war as well, like just going back, you know, so, so very, very far. And a lot of misinformation too. people saying things like, you know, it's they're occupiers. I'm like, OK, Jerusalem, yep. let me take you to King David in First Samuel. And he was in Jerusalem and he was the king mm -hmm. of the Israelites. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's it's really something like a, yep. a lot of you know, wrong things being said, but it's funny. It's funny how to North Africa, which within, within the first few centuries AD was thoroughly Christianized Augustine's from North Africa, Athanasius was from Alexandria and Egypt. So North Africa for the first 500 years after the, the death of Christ was totally Christian, Ethiopia, even sub-Saharan Africa, totally Christian. Does anyone seem to complain about the fact that Islam through the sword and bloodshed conquered North Africa? How come no one is talking about the Ottoman Empire, the Turks and Islam being colonizers and being oppressors and being devastators who live in occupied territory? Like, why is no one saying that Islam is occupying the Middle East and North Africa when guess what? That was owned by and populated by exclusively Christians 2000 years ago. Wow. But again, this is. No, no one wants to actually think clearly and in a sober-minded way. They just want to throw up slogans and they just want to throw meat to their, their base. And they don't actually want to see Christians. We understand that our minds have been renewed by the spirit of God. We understand that our thinking can now be clear that we can understand truth and we can make sense of reality around us. And so it's foolish for us to continue to think like pagans who don't have truth and whose minds have not been awakened to the reality of God. We need to worship God with our minds. We need to think well about things and we need to use the noodle he's given us to be objective, to be reasonable. And to the degree to which we fail to do that is the degree to which we become in practice and thinking no better than people who say that men can become women and women can become men. Like we, we need to be better because God's spirit dwells within us and we can be better. Well, you're leading me uh, to a fantastic close with you and into my next guest, which is uh, somebody, you know, who is really combating this whole gender ideology that's being taught to our kids. 
So how do we get a hold of you um, if people want to, you know, follow your good work, Andrew? So if you go to libertycoalitioncanada.com, that's our website. From there, you can see the current legal battles that we are fighting, the Canadians that we are representing uh, through litigation. You can also see the various initiatives that we're doing. So I mean, just really quickly, Biblical Sexuality Sunday, we started it back when Bill C-4 was first made law. And it's our way of telling the state, you don't have authority in the church and you don't have authority over sexuality. And so we will we will defy your anti-conversion therapy legislation. So you can find our initiatives, you can find our legal stuff, you can also find our shows. So the various podcasts that we have where we try to equip Canadians with a biblical world and life view in assessing all things Canadian culture and politics. You know, we're also on Rumble where you can you can watch our shows as well. So that's the best place. And then with any any questions about, you know, what we do, uh, needing clarification, anything like that, you can always hit us at info at Liberty Coalition Canada dot com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, that's us. I just love you guys. Thank you for all that you do. You know, you're kind of our competition because we're kind of doing the same thing, but I can't stay away from you because I, I think so highly of your perspectives. And, and I also think that you're an incredible person, Andrew. And I, I really appreciate, you know, the time you've given me when I've had some questions and I'm able to give you a call and, and you've given me time to like dissect through some issues and uh, you're a wonderful person and you're fighting for our country. So we just, we honor you. We honor your organization. And thank you for, for giving us your time today. We appreciate it. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Laurelyn. It's great to chat with you. I always enjoy our time together. It's it's always yeah. beneficial. And I trust that it'll be fruitful and edifying for those who kind of get to listen in on the conversation as well. It sure will. We've got a really good amount of people watching us right now on eight platforms. So God bless you, Andrew. Take care. Bye, Laurelyn. All right. Take care. Thank you. So Andrew kind of mentioned, you know, I mean, when you're talking about Canada, you've got to you've got to talk about all the things that are going on. And some of the things that are going on is the programming of our children to believe in gender ideology. And what happens when your child goes to school and comes home and says, hey, you know what? Um, maybe like my teacher said that I can be a girl or ha have your children had that happen or have they come home and said, there's a little boy in my class and now we have to call him a different name and, and he says he's a girl. Well, what do you do now, parents? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, this is a book, it's called No Dress for Timmy. And my guest right now is uh, is going to join us and I, I really appreciate it very much. Uh, I hope I get this right. Chef Lauren Ballantine, have I said that right, sir? Chef Lauren Ballantine. Okay, Ballantine. All right, I love it. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I just want to say that uh, we, we tried to have an interview a couple of times now and it never worked out. And then lo and behold, in the mail comes your book. And I'm like, thank God, because I sat down, I went through the pages and I looked, first of all, at the very incredible, very colorful book that it is. I mean, absolutely beautiful graphics. I, I admire that because some books have a good message, but they're boring, you know? This kind of book, I know that I could read to my grandkids and they'd understand it, although they're not to that age yet. But I then appreciated what you're doing. Uh, we have a huge problem. Our children are already being... Um, propagandized into believing that this gender nonsense is true and you're giving you're giving a tool for every parent so please tell me how you first 
uh, began realizing that a book like this is necessary. Yes, thank you so much, Laura. Thank you for having me on. And um, to answer that question, it all began several years ago at around 2017, 2018. I was a father, well, I'm a father of a, of a child, of a, of a boy. And when he was turning four years old, I began to look on the internet, Amazon in particular, for children-appropriate, age-appropriate children's books. And I was very surprised to find that there were uh, quite a number of books that were pushing this pro-LGBT agenda. And books such as um, It's Perfectly Normal, which is targeting 10-year-olds and above, Jacob's New Dress, My Princess Boy, Sparkle Boy, uh, I Am Jazz, 10,000 Dresses. All of these are children's books that are on Amazon. And uh, these books are pushing the demoralizing of our children. So I became very incensed about it. And uh, I decided on the convictions from the Holy Spirit that something has to be done because the reality is this agenda is being pushed by activist teachers within the classroom and the teachers have a very great influence over children. So it was very important to have a tool in the children's hands that they can use even in the absence of their parents to fight back, to have the correct knowledge and to present this truth knowledge that God in fact created only two genders and that they can actually do it even if they suffer persecution. So that was that was the motivation. I have a I, I like I said, my, my boy was four years old, at around four years old at that time, and he was learning to read and I wanted something in his hands, but something that actually strengthened him, empower him to face the realities of this age in which we are living. Well, very well done. So let me describe without giving away, uh, you know, no spoiler alerts, but your book basically uh, goes through a child going to school, coming home and saying, this is what I heard, uh, and, and talking about another child that is, uh, you know, sort of coming out or saying that they can swap genders. And then the child goes through a hard time because of his stand, like sort of bringing the truth to the class and he gets in trouble. And I love that you did that because that's quite frankly exactly what will happen. You'll probably get kicked out that day, little boy. You'll, you know, you might have to go in the corner or something because you'll get called names at a, a young age for saying, no, boys are boys and girls are girls and you can't do this. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's, it's so unfortunate what happened to this book because Amazon decided that this is not the, the knowledge that their platform will entertain. This is not the kind of stories that their platform will entertain, stories that push Christian morality, stories that push the truth concerning uh, genders. And they actually banned the book. They banned the book in 2018 at its pre-order stage. They, I, I attempted again to have them uh, publish it using their KDB platform. It was published for a very short time, for about a week or so, it became a bestseller within its category, one I of its bet. categories. And then it was banned again. So it, it just goes to show there is an agenda afoot 
to demoralize society, to destroy the social Christi, to actually remove the convictions of the Holy Spirit from the minds of children. Mm. While at the same time, none of these books that I listed has been banned. Um, Jazz is still there, Sparkle Boy. Take, for instance, this perfectly normal, this book that is geared towards 10-year-old children. This book is actually promoting things like masturbation to children, anal um, intercourse and homosexuality. And this is on their platform. So they decided to ban this totally harmless book. This book did not um, promote any sort of psychological abuse. My book, No Just For Timmy, never did. It didn't promote um It's beautiful. Bullying. It was a perfectly safe book. It is. It's it's a really safe book and written so well. I just want every parent, if your child has come home and they've been told something at school and you've had the conversations and you're going, oh my word, like I'm, I'm shocked he's been told this or she, and now I need to kind of undo some of the damage. And you want a tool in your arsenal to be able to fight the propaganda and the agenda. Uh, and like number one, get your kids out of public school. If you can't do that, you need to arm them. And this is the book to do that. So if you're off of Amazon, um, where, where can we get your book then now, Valentine, Mr. Valentine? Well, it's currently available on the Great British Bookstore, Bookshop. Um, what viewers can do is to visit my website, uh, nojustfortimi.com, and that will direct you as to how you can get the soft cover, I mean, the paperback, as well as the um, uh, Kindle or um, ebook. Yes, <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. So, nojustfortimi.com. Will, will guide you in that regard. My main website, cheflonvalentine.com, also features my other books, including the latest one, which is B is for Binary. Um, I think uh, in, our, in our discussions, um, as we were exchanging emails, this was one of the books that I was telling about that was about to be launched at the time. And so it is, it is out now, and this one is currently on Amazon. So you can you can access the book by looking at No Just for Timmy. Um, but you know, it's it's a very important book. And I want to emphasize that this book actually presents the the truth that there are only two genders. It presents the fact that each child has a conscience, conscience that must be respected. Each child must be given the opportunity or allowed the opportunity to actually follow their conscience where the conscience directs them to correct another child, they must be, um, they, they are responsible before God for the way they handle their consciences. After all, children will be brought before the judgment seat as, as well as adults. So why should we allow these activist teachers to stand in the way of the consciences of our children to their detriment? And this is a very, very significant, very important book to get in the hands of children because the reality is you're not always in the presence of your child your child is not always with you and so they need to have that independent uh, tool to actually face and fight off with words with truth the wicked influences from those who are seeking to demoralize them i absolutely love it so um my assistant has already ordered 
Uh, the B for uh, B is for binary. She's very excited. She's the mother of seven, so she is always looking wow. for tools. And of course, you know her children are in the school system, and she wants to make sure that she's shoring up the the agenda that's in every television show. Even if your children go to the most strict uh, private school, they're going to come home and they're going to watch these shows, and they they slip it in there. They slide in there. Um, you know, their ideology everywhere you go. So, um, so B is for binary. You did say that you can buy this on Amazon. She's already bought it. Her name is Dominique. She loves this. And, uh, and then this one, you go to chef Forn, um, chef Lorn, uh, .com, or you could get it on both of the ones, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Very good. Uh, you're not mincing words here either. You're saying they want to corrupt your child with transsexual garbage. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, all of these kids who've been sold a lie about being able to change their gender that are now coming out on TikTok, on YouTube, um, Twitter, basically saying, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to them is they've cut off their breasts and uh, they wish that, that they had been told that this wasn't going to solve their problems because there's no scientific basis for this. And even the gender clinics are, you know, shut down in the, in the UK. Uh, Tavistock had to totally regroup. The, the doctors were finding that the outcomes uh, in support of doing these gender, you know, surgeries was not good. And so it all starts here at this age when they're telling kids this nonsense. So what kind of feedback have you had from parents that have been able to, to help to educate their kids on what the truth is? Well, parents, parents are delighted. Um, we come from a conservative uh, country. And generally speaking, um, persons are taking the, taking the book, ordering the book, seeking to use it as a tool, um, contributing to schools and, and libraries and so on, because they see that based on the nature of the fight, this is something that is adequate and fitting and is, it's, it is just what is needed at this time. So parents have expressed delight. Uh, before uh, No Just Fatima was banned, there were quite an overwhelming number of persons reviewing the book on Amazon and you know indicating how how well it has been received. It's an excellent book. They love the illustrations. They love the fact that it is it is reality. Um, it it reflects the challenges faced by Christians across the globe, especially now. We've had the phenomena with the uh, drag queen story time in the United States. And this is a fitting response or a, or a tool to fight back against that. And the beauty <laughs> is, it is placed in the hands of the child, the yeah. very target of, of the push to demoralize society. Yes. One must always remember that the communists, the globalists, they have declared long time ago that the best revolutionaries are youth without morals, a youth that is devoid of morals. And that is what they are seeking to accomplish. Because if you can remove the conviction of the Holy Spirit from the heart of a child, if you can make that child void of the Holy Spirit, then you have created a very immoral child. Yeah. 
and that child can be your slave. And that is what they're seeking to do as they push towards uh, the establishing of a new world order. So this is, this is very significant, and I encourage parents all over the globe to get your copy of No Dress for Timmy and BS for Binary as well. I just want to say this concerning BS for Binary. Each child has a purpose to fulfill. I recognize that my child has a, has a purpose to fulfill. And based upon that, I give him a particular name, Dia Sab, which means teaching Yahweh's Sabbath, because his role is to teach concerning the Sabbath of Yahweh, justification by faith, so that persons can come to receive salvation. And he cannot perform that. No child can perform their God-given purpose unless they understand the binary nature of human beings, that God, in fact, created you as either male or female. A transgender in that state cannot perform his God-given purpose. He must first repent of that sin. So, you know, these are fundamental truths that are found in BS for Binary. And there's a, there's a beautiful um, poem that I want to uh, just recite from yes. BS for Binary. Um, it says, BS for Binary, and by the way, my, my, my son actually composed a tune to it so that it can be sung. BS for Binary, this simply means two. There's male and there's female. Now, which one are you? What were you born as? Ask mom and you'll know. Your gender at birth stays the same as you grow. So that's that's the poem in relation to the alphabet. I absolutely B. love it. I absolutely love it. And I, I just want to, first of all, apologize for, I got a little giggle because I was thinking, what if somebody kind of snuck, you know, these drag queen story hours, but I just, my, my mind sometimes goes off. I have to say it's a problem, but... I just pictured, uh, you know, a drag queen accidentally uh, ending up with one of your great books, you know, in their hands to read to the, <laughs> you know, some <laughs> activist mummies in there like handing off, oh, read this one. <laughs> I mean, it would be awesome. Um, they would lose yes. their mind. But you make no mistake about this being, uh, these are Christian principles that you even say this Christian ABC book teaches the al alphabet in a way that celebrates the truth of the binary genders that God made. Uh, we've, I wholeheartedly, I am so glad that somehow, I know we had problems kind of connecting to get you on the show, but it worked out that I got your book. And let me just tell you, um, parents, um, this is a, a wonderful book because it's just the the pictures are, are absolutely wonderful. Your kids are going to so enjoy these pictures. They're full of the, the facial expressions, um, the interaction with mom, you know, all of these things. So I don't want to give it away. I'm just saying <clears throat> this is a nice book. And guess what? Christmas is coming, grandparents. This might be exactly what you need to do. Get the B is for binary off of Amazon. Um, unless unless you would want it to order it straight from you, which one do you want, Mr. Ballantyne? Well, Does you it can get it from Amazon mm -hmm. if if they wish to order the notice for Timmy directly from me. Yes, I I have I have a few hundred copies in a warehouse. Yes, at a particular location in North America. So if you want to order in bulk, you can actually um, contact me and make arrangement directly. 
That's well, these we need well. to be in our local, like in our local, we have a local Christian uh, bookstore. They need to have these sitting in, a, so I hope that yep. they do. Um, if not, I'm, I'll talk to you. I'll send you a, an email about that. Um, great. That would be House of James. Job. Yes, here in Abbotsford. Uh, yep. They have all kinds of books. And, you know, this is wonderful. So parents, grandparents, it's Christmas. Get this. You might not be able to wait till Christmas because they've already told your kids lies. So you gotta, you got to stop the lies and, and you've got to get this great this great book and the way that you explain it and also preparing them that there will be backlash for, you know, coming against all of this. Uh, there can be, you know, a struggle, but we stand. Having done all, we stand. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, I really love it. I, you know, I mean, I'd even like to get this on the uh, on our own website for you because it's so important. So I know other groups that are very active that I will be sure to send along that this because the only way when they are stopping us from having a voice, the only way is to do it ourselves. We've got to become more vocal and get the word out there so that parents can get this in their hands. Amen. 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 And thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. And yes, I All will right. continue to fight by God's grace Amen. because we are fighting against we are fighting against global forces that seek to demor demoralize society and their interest is to rob society of the Christian influence. And yes. so it's very important for us to have the tools fighting from children right up to old age. <laughs> So, thank you so much for having me on. I You're really welcome. appreciate it. It's an it. honor, and and I thank you for this. And I'll be, I'll be, I'll be gifting this to a very special kid in my life. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Whoops! I'm just spilling my coffee everywhere, Jim. Crazy as I am. Oh yeah, I make messes. <clears throat> All is well. Okay, so. You don't want to miss out on that book. I was just thrilled. I, I was intrigued by the book myself. A bit, I'm a bit immature and I do like children's books. So, uh, you know, but I, I was enthralled with it. I was enthralled with the way that the message was presented. So it's absolutely wonderful. Um, JT, you wanted me to show you, is this a good time to show that uh, all-cause all mortality uh, data in Canada? Okay, that's about it. Okay, yes. So Health Canada reports a drop in life expectancy for three straight years. So it's interesting that in uh, 2021, look at this. So this is all-cause mortality in Canada. Stats Canada. Stats Canada data. Amazing. So so is, is if I could understand this, JT, in 2020... We had, we had, you know, the, all, the, the deaths went up 166,555. And then in 2021, it went up 1,000. <clears> and then, oh, I wonder what it could be, everyone. In 2022, no more COVID, right? But we suddenly have 179,285 deaths. Isn't that interesting, everyone? So this is as of November 9th, 2023. 
And this year's data, very good point. We still have uh, another month and a bit to go before this go year's. Yeah, let's go Canada. Let's get those numbers up. <laughs> That's terrible, right? Oh my goodness. So, right. So, yeah, so JT's saying like this, this median line here uh, that's running across, you know, that's sort of normal, all right? So 2020, yeah, we had a, a lot more deaths. And let me tell you that those, those deaths are not all COVID. Those deaths, and we've been had shows all about this, what they did with remdesivir, what they did with the elderly. Elderly people died because they were lonely and heartbroken. And you had them in masks sitting in hallways and they couldn't breathe anymore. All right. And they would say that you died because of COVID and, you know, you, you got shot, basically. Let's also talk about the depression that set in, the suicide rate that went up because of these lockdowns. That has now been cataloged incredibly in that, um, that inquiry that has been happening into the, the response to COVID-19. And this incredible inquiry, I believe, is just literally wrapping up. I think this week, Gary told me that, if I was listening to you, Gary. But they're doing the, the final on that. They went across Canada getting people to testify what had happened, uh, you know, terrible stories that had happened to their families, how they all dealt with it. So, so then... In 2021, and I remember that uh, 2021, we were dealing with COVID, but it wasn't, um, you know, it was waning. Oh, then we're getting into, was the Omicron in 2022? I don't know. But so suddenly in 2022, we've got a real lift. That's the 179285. So with a month and a bit to go, I think we're going to surpass that. Because consider, yeah, almost 10,000 a month, and we've got another 10. So we're definitely, it's going to go higher. So let's keep our eyes on that. Um, what could it be? Whatever could it be? And now they're threatening this next new thing. Well, of course, Donald Trump says, oh, there's the threat of another pandemic. Oh, of course, it's an election year coming. Fascinating. All right. So CBC report on the looming housing debacle coming our way due to high interest rates on mortgages. Do you know anyone or do you feel like you're in this position that I could afford my mortgage when it was at 2%, 3%? Now, when I go back to the table... To re remortgage my home, six, seven percent, eight percent. What's going to happen? Take a look. There are questions tonight about how effective new federal mortgage guidelines will be at keeping Canadians in their homes. Ottawa unveiled it last week. JP Tasker looks at what they are and whether they'll help in the face of high interest rates. Bikram Deep Singh has a mortgage renewal looming on his Vancouver area townhome. Right now, I'm looking at the renewal rates somewhere between six and the six and a half percent. So that's going to be like bringing my payments uh, 30 to 40 percent up. So that's going to be a significant chunk of money that I'll be spending every month. Singh was already just trying to keep his head above water. 
I'm the sole income earner in my family, so that definitely puts some stress. About 2.2 million mortgages are up for renewal in the next two years, according to federal data. Those households will be paying a lot more with record low rates in the rearview mirror. I've heard Kevin Larkin doesn't think he can keep his Surrey, B.C. home on a teacher's salary. You know, I've just been running the numbers and I don't see how I'm going to be able to, to renew and, and afford this. Finance Minister Christia Freeland says Ottawa is doing what it can to avoid a spike in foreclosures. I want Canadians to get through this. I want Canadians to be able to afford their mortgages and keep their homes. That's where the government's new mortgage charter comes in. A series of guidelines for banks, including allowing temporary extensions of amortization periods so people can take longer to pay and exempting homeowners from a stress test when switching lenders at renewal. Most banks were doing many of these things. You know, this real estate watcher says the charter won't change much. People are already offloading properties they can't afford, and it could get worse. If rates stay in the sixes for another 12 months, uh, yeah, we're going to have potentially and very likely some downward pressure on prices. I mean, something's going to break. The good news is inflation seems to have stabilized. The bad news, interest rates might not go down as fast as they went up. The governor of the Bank of Canada has warned people should prepare to live with higher rates for longer. Hmm. Well, you know, um, the Lord God gave my husband and I a word. It was truly a word. It was from the Bible because I said... You know, should we sell? What should we do? Do we stay? Do we go in the condo that we loved? Because here's what we knew, that we had dumped everything we had into it. And if, and we got like such a good rate, we could afford something. So we were heavily mortgaged with, you know, probably at least half of that, the value of the home being a mortgage. And we knew that at, you know, at 2%, like the last few years have just been incredible, but we were watching the signs while we were doing the show. And so we went to the Lord and I said, God, what should we do? And Ezekiel 12 fell open on my lap the way that I just opened my dad's Bible every day to see what's in there. And I kind of, I've told you this before, when the Bible fell open, I kind of like went, well, I'll, you know, I'll just change, you know, I'm looking for a word, Lord, but I like, can God get the right page on the right day at the right time when you're saying, do we stay or do we go? And my Bible literally fell open to Ezekiel 12, in which it said, son of man, you are amongst an, an uh, obstinate and rebellious people, pack your bags and go, it says it six more times. We're like, it's the word. And it was not easy. We loved our home. We put it up for sale. We got out probably getting the best possible price we could have gotten for it. And I told all of you, I told all of you, because do you know what Ezekiel 12 said in verse six? Um, do it so that you will be a sign to the people. So my husband doesn't like talking about financial stuff. To be, he's always like, you're always telling everybody everything, you know, everything we were doing. Why do you know? Why And he doesn't like when I when I do his voice like that, but, um, what he, what he does, he's more private. Okay. But I felt that I had a duty and he agreed. I didn't do it, you know, without his approval, but that we need to tell you, this is what we, this is what God told us so that maybe you all might consider that maybe you got to sell high and watch the, the fallout, you know, and be in a better position 
by doing something else for a while, even renting or whatever. Well, we did it. And we actually removed our money from the country and uh, uh, we invested elsewhere in the world. And elsewhere in the world, um, you know, one of those investments has done really well in property. And I like to, you know, talk about that because there's other places in the world that are not going through, you know, that you can get a good deal because they're not, they don't have inflated housing prices the way Canada does, let alone British Columbia, where I live, which is really bad. So how about this? Conservative MP, oh, didn't you love Christia Freeland uh, in the last one? Um, there's more Christia Freeland. Mr. Mr. Prime Minister. All right, let's see what she has to say. It's always so good. <gasps> And I think it's important to have intellectual honesty in this conversation. I'm asking you about GDP per capita. Canada's population has swelled in recent years, which has masked our GDP per capita, which is per individual. Each Canadian is getting poorer. They're getting poorer, Minister. This is an issue. So I'm asking you again, just a number. What was, GD what was GDP per capita in the first quarter, the second quarter, or the third quarter? Any quarter. Mr. Lawrence. You and I actually have had very respectful exchanges, and I'm grateful for that. But I have to say, after your leader's performance last week, where he jumped to accusations of terrorism, alarming all Canadians, and after the vote of your party to fail to support Ukraine, order, it is a Point bit order, rich to take you, this You laid time. out in the beginning of the meeting that, you know, um, we should give time to answer the questions. That has nothing to do with the question. And I would, I would indulge you to take a look at what kind of relevance her answer has to the question at hand. Thank you for that point of order. Yes, Minister, to be relevant. And it was uh, so MP Lawrence. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. So I'll answer my own question since, unfortunately, you're unwilling to. You and I say that with the greatest respect. Um, for the first quarter, the it was negative 0.6. For the second quarter, I'm it was so negative RBC predicts it per capita will be negative 0.31. Canadians are getting poorer, Minister. In the U.S., the average GDP per capita is about $80,000. In Canada, it's a little over $50,000. That's a $30,000 gap. That gap has never been bigger. GDP directs, it relates directly to the wealth of the nation. And you know what? It's not the super wealthy. It's not the Trudeaus and the Mornos that get hurt. It's the people at the lowest end of the spectrum. Because when you lose 10% of your wealth and you're a Morno, that hurts a little bit. But when you're a single mom just trying to get to the end of the month, that means you don't get to feed your kids. Yeah, people are hungry. So my friend saw somebody at the bird feeder uh, eating the bird, the bird seed. You know, a, a person clearly probably homeless. Um, what is going on? Mr. Speaker, I don't think that you're asking the right questions. I don't have the answers because you're not asking the questions I want you to ask. I'd like to focus on terrorism and what is going on in our country with that. I don't want to talk about finances. Let's talk about finances at another time when we when we don't need to talk about terrorism or maybe when I actually have some answers that you're looking for, which is probably never because have you seen the Trudeau? <laughs> He's not doing well. Do we need to talk about this, Mr. Speaker? All right, so how about newly elected Dutch party leader? Oh, Oh, the Danielle Smith one. Okay, I skipped, sorry. Alberta Premier sends a warning shot across federal environmental minister Stephen Gebolt. 
Am I saying it right? That Gabo, that she will see him in court over federal energy policy. She's getting I a little tougher. In response to Minister Gabo in the House of Commons this morning, he called the sovereignty legislation symbolic. He says you don't take symbolic legislation to court. Uh, just your response to that? Uh, well, he, he will learn that if he does uh, not back down from his outrageous and unconstitutional targets of 2035, it'll be more than symbolic. We'll proceed with developing our baseload power on natural gas with the best available technology. And we will make sure that, uh, that uh, we are uh, able to, to uh, shield any corporation from, uh, from any kind of, uh, of criminal liability, whether that means that we have to de-risk it by being the generator of last resort, or we have to purchase some of those plants so that we operate them ourselves so that we're able to continue on with having a, 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 um, a uh, reliable power grid. So uh, there's, th this is just the indication that we're moving on this. We're not going to sit and wait while they break the law drag their feet, make us take them to court, spend years creating economic uncertainty for our investors. We're going to start commissioning those plants now because we need them now. Well, I like it. Stand strong, you know, and uh, have a little meeting with Christia Freeland. Danielle Smith. I don't want to answer those questions. Um, so newly, have you seen what's going on in the rest of the world? It's very exciting. Uh, these populist leaders are getting uh, elected. So newly elected Dutch party leader, and I say his name just hard, just Geert Wilders. Okay. Um, so I, I was just with the lovely and talented um, Ava. What's her last and uh, anyway, she's absolutely fantastic. We can't get her name right. I'm so sorry about that. I'm going to practice. And I've got an, an interview coming up, and I think that we're going to air that tomorrow. Um, and so on what uh, we have Geert Wilders on what some of his act first actions will be if he is appointed prime minister to the Netherlands. Now, what I'm told just before you watch this is that they are going after him like snakes in the grass, right? Like people are not happy. You can imagine the left is losing their ever-loving mind. They're really attacking him. And it's my understanding that Ezra Levant has headed over there. So take a look at Geert. First thing I would do is not only um, leave um, the Netherlands, leave uh, the European Union, but also stop the immigration um, from um, Islamic countries, which doesn't mean that the Muslims are in Holland today should leave. Everybody who is already in my country today and everybody who adheres and confirms its behavior to our constitution, our law, our rule of law, and our civil society um, is, is um, welcome to stay and equal as anybody else. But since my party believes, and millions of people who support us today, that Islam and freedom, Islam and democracy are incompatible, indeed, without saying that all Muslims are bad people, we would want to stop the immigration and the import of more people from Islamic countries. We will do that the same day. Hmm. Wow, like we got to pray for these world leaders that have stood. Uh, he's standing for the country being safe, that people that are there would respect the Constitution. Uh, he has been very open about curbing uh, all of the people that have previously been allowed in, curbing immigration so that you don't have people that don't have good intentions coming into your country. That's something that our conservative country, uh, uh, conservative party here in Canada, 
our Liberal Party, NDP Party, all of them could have done a better job with because we certainly are having problems now. I was just on this show. If you can show my share there, JT, I was just on with this lovely lady and uh, she's kind of banned, so I'm not going to say much about it, but that is uh, the two of us. And we kind of, we kind of look like sisters. Isn't it funny? But we were on together talking about, um, talking about, uh, you know, the problems that have uh, been plaguing Canada and the United States of America. And so she wanted to talk about what was going on here in Canada. And so we had a really good discussion. I hope you can catch it on her show, um, which is, um, hmm, which is down here somewhere. <clears throat> Doesn't actually have her name on there. Well, there you go. I think it's right there in the corner. And um, here's, here's the thing is that we've let, we've opened Pandora's box. It's, it's kind of hard to get it all back now. We haven't protected our country. It, it seems to me everyone should have been aware of what could happen. How could you all be so stupid? And a lot of people many, many years ago, um, I know that Maxime Bernier had a lot of bullying and attacks on him because he said, we've got a problem with mass immigration. We've got a problem with bringing in all of these people and what it's doing to our country. And he was open and honest about it, and he's had to face the fire for it. Well, all of a sudden, you know, he's not being called a racist as much anymore because we're seeing we've got a problem. So Irish Parliament is excited to start, uh, ooh, start restricting rights such as, oh, let's say free speech. Take a look. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. So it's always about if, if your views on someone else, um, you know, rest, you know uh, might make them unsafe, right? Uh, views on how you feel about principles and ways that you live unless you're a violent person, won't and shouldn't make anyone feel unsafe. They should just feel disagreed with. That's it. We're allowed to disagree with each other. That's how it goes. But look at this. Racist graffiti in West Belfast attempting to create fear and intimidation. So somebody wrote, Irish lives matter. And what? They just got in all kinds of attacks for being a racist, right? Because they wrote, do Irish lives not matter? <laughs> but because they wrote it, they're suddenly a racist. All right. Well, um, in Israel, the family dog reacts to child hostages being released. This is something. So this is a reunion. 
And I don't know if you saw some of the videos of the other reunions um, that are happening with the kids coming home and and some of the, I just can't even imagine what those parents have gone through uh, with their kids uh, having been taken hostage by Hamas. I, I, I don't know how you live through a month and a bit, like two, almost two months of that. I, they, uh, they've been through hell and back. And so there's still more hostages, of course, to be released. Um, for all of you lactose intolerant types, South Africa has a new milk substitute on the way. Take a look. Intomilk is a dairy alternative that we make from black soldier fly lava. We take the insects and we process it into a dairy alternative that forms a rich and creamy liquid which looks and acts just like dairy. Intomilk is very rich in protein, fat, calcium, iron and zinc, which is really good for you. And it's got a very creamy mouthfeel. The world needs alternatives to survive. Insects are vital for future food because they require very little land. They don't damage the environment like livestock. They don't produce greenhouse gases. And they meet the demand for ice cream. The world is going to struggle to produce enough food for the growing population. And I find insects a very viable option. Can you believe Yum. it's made from insects? Mm. Sign me up. Sign me up. The look on her face. Perfect. Yeah. Do you know it's from insects? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can put that back up. It'll run. It'll run if you put it up. Yeah, the look on her face. It's from insects. Oh, you know. Oh, I remember seeing this hysteric. I can't even talk about actually that. That It was a comedy thing and it wouldn't be appropriate but anyways um uh, I'm not eating your bugs I'm not drinking them either and so this is seriously insane so who came up with it right who was the guy that said you know some people are lactose intolerant and you know there's a lot of worms and bugs and gross little things that are around our house and all that maybe underneath the porch and you know what if I just get those and I grind them up and I add some water to it. Mmm, yum. I bet that that would go to that nice white milky color. And then we'll just sell it as milk. Who's the person? You know, wow, somebody give that guy a gold medal. Um, so I'm going to end with this. Very strange phenomenon going on. Um, a weird happening on U.S. TikTok um, is that young people are turning to the Quran for their inspiration. I just started reading the Quran and I am so excited about it. People thought when I first asked that I just wanted to read it out of curiosity, but I want to read it to study it. I started following somebody on social media that teaches the Quran and hosts a Quran book club for Muslims and non-Muslims. So I'm really excited to start going to that. She was describing the chapter of the bee and that just blew my mind. Like the way that she describes things and the way that the Quran describes things actually makes sense to me. And also, did you know that Allah is beyond gender? Did you know that actually scholars believe that there are two Qurans, the Quran of nature and the Quran, the actual book. And did you know that each chapter is named after a natural phenomenon? I just, I don't know, this whole book is just blowing my mind and I am so excited. I got sticky notes so that I could mark out things that I was, ex that I was drawn to. And uh, I'm not even through the first chapter and <laughs> I already have a bunch of sticky notes. I'm definitely going to have to buy more tabs. I'm honestly having a whole revolution with myself where the way that I describe the universe and the things that I believe in are actually described in the Quran of believing 
bring in Allah. And I, I've never thought that I believed in God before. And now I'm really having a revolution of self of, I think I actually believe in God. If you've been curious, I really recommend it. There are a lot of people who are converting. There's a lot of people who are reading it. I'm not saying I'm going to convert. I'm not saying that I wouldn't. Um, and I don't know. I just, I know that this is exactly what I need right now. I just wanted to say thank you and just point out how excited I am. So, I mean, honestly, my heart kind of hurts. This young person is searching for love, is searching for something to believe in, and is that a guy turned girl? It is like uh, obviously struggling with gender in some way because the arms were pretty hairy, <laughs> but is wearing lipstick, a mustache. Yeah, with the <clears throat> so it's hard to know. That's what's happening, and here's the thing. So the people that believe in the Quran, um, the, the places in the Middle East, uh, you know, there's been an outcry against how they'll treat somebody that's just like this person, him or her. I, I don't, I think that's a guy <clears throat> with a high voice. So isn't the world getting confusing? Um, this, this person is looking for truth, something to believe in, and something they're willing to die for. And kids in this generation don't really have that. We're getting closer because we're starting to see some real drama on the planet that's causing people to think, what am I willing to die for and what am I not willing to die for? What am I willing to invest my whole heart and soul into? Because I want to believe something's real. And the irony that this person's lifestyle is completely unacceptable. Like they would just have nothing to do with you. The people that truly follow the Quran. They're not your people. Um, there is a God. I'm glad this person is opening their heart up to God. <clears throat> but I pray in this world that there's a way that we can reach those people, that they will find the true God who loves them, who created them to be a man or a woman according to his design. A, man, uh, uh, a God who loves them for being a man, a God who loves them for being a woman, loves them exactly the way he made them because he designed their destiny with that in mind. It all goes together. And then the enemy comes in, convinces you of things, all this propaganda and the agenda, and it destroys. And it's actually, I love seeing people excited about God, but excited, uh, a little confused about what the Quran might be saying about who they are. Now, the Bible tells us that God loves all of us, and he sure does. He will not, though, compromise his standards, his request for us to be righteous and holy. And when we fail, because we can't be truly holy or righteous, God asks us, <clears throat> if we would rely on the price shed by his son.
for the forgiveness of our sins, if we would believe that Jesus paid the price. And then he asks if we would, after receiving that forgiveness, if we would walk the right way and not continue in our sin. And that's the difference. My website is lauralyn.tv. And I would like to ask you uh, to always check us out. If you ever don't know exactly where I am, please go to lauralyn.tv. And if I'm not on one of the platforms you're used to seeing me on, you'll find me there. And we're always on Rumble every day going live. Could I ask everybody in the feed, would it be better if we did our live show at 5 o'clock uh, PST, which would be 8 o'clock in Ontario? <clears throat> would it be better to go with our live show later? Would that make any difference? So if you're watching this later in the day, you don't catch the live feed, could some of you write in the comments, uh, if, if you would, because we're going to go back and look now, um, to, to let us know if the reason you're not tuning into the live, I guess, is you can't. You watch it later. And I do know the numbers go way up at night. So we're trying to figure out if we should be running the show live when everyone's watching or, you know, how do we do this? So, um, hmm, very interesting. The other thing is uh, we want to know if we should try to shorten it because I know we go long. And so sometimes when we've gone, done a shorter show, then people say, what, you're done already? What? You know what, we're just getting started. And then so we know some people really like the long format and the people in the podcast actually like the long format. But... We're, you know, just wondering what you think. I have such a tickle in my throat. It's so annoying. Um, so, um, what, what do you all think? Now, the other thing is, if you go to our website at laurelin.tv, we would be very grateful if you would consider supporting us. Thank you very much for those of you who understand that what we do every day is different. It's different than... What you'll see on mainstream media, legacy media, will not be reporting on the, certainly not the books that you saw here today. We're an information sharer. We're letting you know things that you can do. We're giving you perspective on difficult issues. We're helping you to navigate what we're all going through and bits and pieces of the news from a godly perspective. So if that, if you think that's valuable, will you help? Will you support us? That would be truly, absolutely amazing, and we appreciate it so very, very much. I want to leave you today uh, with James 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That is one of the most precious things I've realized later in life, that I didn't like going through the trial. I didn't like when my faith was tested. Oh, it did not sit well with me at all. It was so hard. I told God, I don't think I can do it. it. It feels terrible. Take this trial, take this pain, you know, take all of this away. But at the end of it, that trial of my faith produced something that I couldn't get any other way. It gave me perseverance. It gave me strength to endure the next time. It worked the muscles, the muscles of faith. It worked those muscles so when the next time came that I was hit with something painful, when the enemy tried to destroy me or tried to 
put me in a depression over something, it didn't work because I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna press through. I've been here before, I've gotten through tough times before, I'm just gonna keep going. And it's like my muscles of overcoming the darkness had been exercised and I got perseverance and you only get it one way. You have to endure to the end. Let perseverance <clears throat> finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you, period. You know, maybe you're out there and you kind of know that you're not the smartest whip on the block, right? The bricks are home, but no lights are on. I know, right? No, I, I, I really made it funny with that. <laughs> but you know what? Here's something. Wisdom is completely different than knowledge or IQ or smarts. I want to be the smartest person in the room. I love it. I'm rarely that person. I remember I did a, a test uh, in grade 12 against all of the other students and I scored pretty high in English, ironically. And I was pleased and my mom was shocked, you know, because I, I kind of made my way just, you know, lowering my own expectations so I could reach them. And, um, and I did really well in that. And, and I was really happy. I actually, I did better than this other Chinese student. And I always thought she was like the smartest person. I mean, math and all of that. Like, I don't know what it is, but you know, she just did so good. And I admired her. I, I liked her a lot. She's a great person. And, and I wanted to be, you know, all of that. But as I've gone through life, you are always going to know someone, you know, that just does something better than you even, but Here's the thing about wisdom. God says if you ask him for wisdom, he will give it generously. I'm gonna circle that. I'm gonna circle that so one day when my daughter reads this Bible, she's gonna take note that I actually circled that. He will give you wisdom generously. Do you know what wisdom does? Makes you look really smart. It makes you make good decisions. It makes you have discernment. Wisdom, it's like a trump card for getting through life. And God will give it to you generously. Check it out. See you tomorrow. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing. But for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.